Hello and you're listening to episode four of It's Just The One Podcast. Actually, my name is Jay. My name is Adam. And in this episode, we're going to be doing a director special focusing on Christopher Nolan. And we'll also be returning to our ongoing segment and looking at the best films of 2012. No luck catching them swans then. It's just the one swan actually. Okay, so on this one, um, we've decided to start our director specials. So every few episodes, we've decided to pick a director and basically just go through their filmography, um, what makes them a great director, what makes their films so good. And yeah, we've decided for the first one of this series to go with Christopher Nolan. Obvious reasons, really, for I think, for Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan... Um, has been probably the most influential director for anyone born in the 90s I'd say um they've been like the big director I'd say because obviously Spielberg most of his films were in the 80s 90s all of his big big films like E.T. and stuff like that I'd say Christopher Nolan obviously done the Batman films Inception I think most people born in the 90s sort of our age has seen a Christopher Nolan film and has really enjoyed a Christopher Nolan film. Um, and plus, he's just such a fantastic director for reasons that we're about to go into. Yeah, 100% on board with you there. I think we spoke about Sam, Sam Mendes in a different episode and we talked about how every one of his films was just a banger. So he like kicked off and then he hasn't he hasn't slowed down. So you look at his um, his filmography, especially like, you know, go from his first main feature which was memento how can you like how can you appear on the scene and that be your first feature film absurd it really is um and then yeah basically what you've just said there is that every film since memento has um has been a hit there hasn't i don't think there is one christopher nolan film that you could turn around and say no that that's a bad film or that's that's no i don't like that film mm. i think each film um, I think each film is a fantastic film in its own right and then if you put them all together under the one director it's just a great filmography for him Um, but yeah we'll start off with Memento since we'll go right back to the beginning yeah so we look at the fir- his first feature so this was um actually a short story that his brother, his brother had written and that's what it's based on yeah so his brother um Jonathan Nolan um Chris's brother, his younger brother, he has co-wrote. I think the majority of yeah Chris's films. Yeah, he helped him on um, Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, um, Interstellar, and then uh, yeah, obviously Memento as well. So he's a he's a screenwriter in his own right. Yeah, um, he's also I think he's the main writer for Westworld, he the is, TV yeah. show. He is, um, which is a good series, I think. Well, personally for me. I'm enjoying Westworld at the moment. Um, but yeah, Jonathan Nolan is Chris's main um, writing partner, really, throughout the whole film. So obviously, as Adam just said, he did Memento as a short story. It's been fleshed out to a feature film. What a film to start off with. Um, for those of you who haven't seen Memento, it's a guy who's trying to retrace his steps. Mm-hmm. He's suffering from um, it's amnesia, isn't it? Yeah. Um, 
he's suffering from amnesia and the only the only way he can retrace his steps is through pictures and stuff like that isn't it yeah um, and tattoos and as tattoos well. yeah. um but it's such a fantastic film i didn't see it until i was in university yeah um, same, actually. Admit, same um so i had seen other christopher nolan films before i actually sat down and watched memento but I, nevertheless i was still blown away by it um the audacity to put an, a narrative like that on screen and also to, to and how it's told the narrative um for anyone who hasn't seen it we'll go into spoilers it's told in reverse isn't it it is um so it's told backwards mm. but you don't know it's told backwards until you get to the end of the film <laughs> yeah it's mad that sounds mad just saying it so confusing but, um it's such a brilliant film obviously guy um guy pierce guy pierce yeah uh in the main role and what was her name from the matrix it's not um carrie ann moss is it yeah yeah okay yeah. so so obviously um guy pierce in the main role and carrie ann moss from the matrix films it is a film that i would highly recommend going to watch um if it's on the streaming site or if anyone ever recommends putting it on watching it with you sit down watch it fantastic film momentum yeah it's right up your street in it jake obviously you talk about films that just properly mess with your head proper mind fucks and i think this is <laughs> this is one of the originals really isn't this it? is the, yeah this is the og mind fuck yeah he, he sort of set set his stall out early didn't he with the, the kind of films he was going to make with this one really he did he sort of told us what his intentions were for the long run um with this one yeah um and he's he hasn't turned back since really has he well, he's probably gone a bit further, if anything. <laughs> he has, he has, he has. There's no going um, back now. So, he obviously did Memento, and then um, a film that I completely forgot about, I'll be honest, until yep. researching, looking into him a bit further, Insomnia, hmm. which I believe you haven't seen. I haven't. I have not seen it. Insomnia stars Al Pacino, and... Um, Robin Williams um, it's one of those creepy Robin Williams roles where he's like um, a serial killer sort of deal um, basically follows two um, two I think it's LA if I remember correctly two LA um, detectives who are sent to a town in Alaska right. um, to to look into a series of murders Um mm. And then the town so happens it it's the the days are longer there, so it it stays light longer than twenty four hours, ah. so it's just constantly daytime there um so obviously they can't get to sleep or anything like that, and they're trying to investigate a murder and as he starts like hallucinating and going a bit crazy oh cool um but Robin Williams is the bad guy he's the he's the serial killer spoilers um <laughs> nice one I've seen but but <laughs> Um, no, no, you know straight away because he's not doing all the jokes and the laughs. He's in the serious roles, yeah, yeah. Williams. Um, but he did, he did. It's 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 weird. It's always weird watching Robin Williams in a serious role because I always go back to the image of him doing the transformation into Miss Doubtfire, <laughs> and then there's like an image of him trying to like seriously kill someone, and then there's hello dear <laughs> and all stuff like that. Um, but he is such a he's, he was such a great actor. Um, obviously known for his comedy roles but 
here, more serious role, and he's just absolutely superb in it. Al Pacino is just Al Pacino. As we always say on this podcast, Al Pacino yep. has only one way of acting, and it is Al Pacino. Um, <laughs> but and I've, a brilliant film, honestly. Highly recommend it to you, Adam, and I highly recommend it to anyone listening. Um, fantastic film. And then he didn't waste any time um, making his next film, which ended up becoming a trilogy. But um, I think you've got some, some info about how the whole reimagining of Batman came about. So, yeah. So, Batman is probably probably one of my favourite comic book characters. He is probably my favourite comic book character. So, the story goes that Christopher Nolan approached Warner Brothers. Obviously, this is around 2004, 2003-2004. Batman was a dead franchise off the back of, I think, Batman Forever. Yeah. With the bat, with the bat nipples and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger as um, Mr. Freeze. I used to see um, you. I used to see you. <laughs> um, George Clooney was Batman with his Batman card. Um, it was a god-awful film. <laughs> and it and it killed the franchise, basically. Um, so Christopher Nolan approached Warner Brothers in 2003 um, with the idea to make a more realistic, more grounded, more noirish set in the real world Batman mm. story, Batman film, than the comic book version that probably went a bit OTT in the other films before it. Yeah. Um obviously Warner Brothers seen his last two films, signed the signed it off. Um he wrote the script again with Jonathan. Yeah. And the end result was Batman Begins, I think released in two thousand and five. Two thousand and five, yeah. Really just kick started probably one of the greatest modern trilogies of all time. Ooh. I would I would put it up there for me as a film trilogy. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um Christian Bale's Batman, he's superb in it. Um it is an all star cast, so Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, you've probably seen the films already. Um Yeah. But for me Batman begins I remember going to see the Batman Begins with my granddad and being absolutely blown away by it. Um the, the, I remember thinking the noise that that Batmobile makes is unreal. <laughs> um, it just makes it just it just amazing. It just roars. Um, <laughs> any car that roars, I'm all for it. Um, it was a superb film. It is a superb film. Obviously, they went for the realistic, and it just hits. It really does. Um, yeah. It was very noirish. Um, if you go back and rewatch it, Joffrey is in it. For all those that don't know, Joffrey is in it. Joffrey plays a little child in it. Um, Silly Murphy as well. Yeah, Silly Murphy's in it. Scarecrow. Um, Just superb film. Batman Begins. Honestly, if you've never seen the Dark Knight trilogy, what are you doing? Um, It's a great film. Batman Begins is fantastic. I must admit, though, it's not not to uh, put anything bad on the films. It is my least favourite of the three. Out of the three? Yeah. Yeah. I... I put the third one last. Oh, uh, really? I think it's my second favourite. Okay. Well, we all know what the best is. Oh, yeah. Batman Forever. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he did Batman Begins and then moved on to The Prestige. 
Prestige, yeah, which was, was that like the next year? It was. So I think the, there's another story to this, apparently, I don't know how true this is, is that the one agreement that Warner Brothers had with Nolan is that if he was to make the Batman film, it was that he'd have to make the Prestige, or it might have been the other way. So, th- so like the other way would be that if Nolan wanted to make the Prestige, he had to make the Batman film. Okay. So he ended up doing the Prestige, another fantastic film. Um, it stars Christian Bale again. Hugh Jackman's in it. Jackman. Scott Johansson's yeah. in it. Hugh Jackman is yeah. in it. Michael He's Caine's not, in there. He, Michael Caine's back in it. Michael Caine, bless him. Michael <laughs> Caine. I feel like, I feel like Michael Caine never had any acting work at all. <laughs> At his door, <laughs> I feel like everyone forgot who Michael Caine was. Bless him. Oh, he was, he was that guy who was in the Italian job. <laughs> no one knew who Michael Caine was. And then Christopher Nolan was like, do you want to come be in a film? And then ever since, <laughs> he's, ju- he's just, I don't want to say he's like living off Nolan, but he is technically in every Nolan film. And I he don't is, think yeah. I've seen him in any other film other than a Nolan film <laughs> for like the past decade. Um Apart from like Michael, all these comedies about old people going to Las Vegas and stuff, was he in one of them? Was he? Yeah, with Morgan Freeman. It was it was like a Batman, like post Batman retirement I feel like special. It was. <laughs> he needed to get money in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Michael Caine is in, I think, the majority of Christopher Nolan's work, mm. um, and he shows up again in the Prestige. So who else is in the Prestige? Uh, David Bowie's in it. David Bowie's in the Prestige. Yeah, and Andy Serkis. And Andy Serkis is in the Prestige. Yeah, it's a very good cast. The Prestige. It is, isn't it? It is. Looking back at it now. Um. So yeah, you made the Prestige a fantastic film. Um, if you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. And then he goes on to make the main event. Yeah, one of uh, one of the best films ever made. Do you want to announce it? Yeah, I will. Okay, then. It's The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, indeed. Do you remember going to see The Dark Knight? I do, indeed. I was did thir- you watch The Dark Knight? I was 13 years old. I got the bus, which cost me 50p for a return, <laughs> to the View Cinema in Birkenhead. Right. It cost me about three quid to get in. Um, Watched it with all my mates. And I just, I just couldn't believe it. It was like, it was like, at that age watching it, the most important thing in your life at the time. It was. I get that. It was. It was, a, it was one of those summers where everyone went to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you weren't going to see it, you were like the odd one out. And to what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Similar to you, I went to view cinema as well. Might have been in the same screen. We might might have been there at the same time. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I went with me best mate from high school, Jack. Yeah. Shout out to Jack. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember. I remember. Const. I remember loving Batman Begins, obviously. Um, and then being sort of engrossed in any information coming out about the sequel to it, and yeah. Um, I remember being like fast, like oh the Joker's gonna be in it and mm. everything I remember like telling like me and Jack just become fascinated by it and yeah. there was like a there was like a viral marketing campaign for it oh yeah um, and we were like hooked on that so like by the time the film came out we were just there like that was <laughs> like one of the first 
one of the first like uh, online marketing campaigns, wasn't it? Like sort yeah. of like in that sort of fashion. It really, it really went for it as well. So there was like a news article from the Gotham yeah. Gazette. Yeah, it was so cool. Um, and once you clicked on stuff, like various little Joker things would start to appear. Yeah. Um, it was such a good campaign. But yeah, I remember going to see Dark Knight and being absolutely blown away by it. Mm. Um, for me, it still holds up as one of the greatest films ever made. Um, Definitely. I think... I always say this about this film. I think it's the best flowing film I've ever seen. What I mean by that is that it it goes from one thing to the next, to the next, to the it's next, to the seamless. next, and it just builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. Do you know, like most most films, you can have like a little, um, it's like a little stopgap, if you yeah. will, where it just lets the audience calm down and stuff like that, and lets them think about what's just happened and stuff. There's nothing like that in this film. It just flows effortlessly yeah. from one scene to the next. It's a fantastic fit. The cast is fantastic. Obviously, we've got to talk about Heath Ledger. Um, yeah, one of the was greatest performances. I think I think like everyone can agree on that. I feel like you know when people regard this film so highly, which it, rightly so. But then there's mm. you get them type of people like oh, it's just not good. And it's this is just one of the films you can defend and say it is actually one of the best films ever. Hundred percent, and it it contains some of the greatest performances ever, and obviously that's emulated in uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. Hundred um, percent. He was, I think, the character itself is an actor's dream to play. Yeah. Um. But I also think you've got to be bold enough to go your own way with it. You can't just rely on the source material. Mm. And I think. He fully got on board with Chris's, um, Chris's real world sort of world building, and he sort of become. He he was like a terrorist sort of Joker. Yeah, where, definitely. Um, you you weren't rooting for him by any means. You you mm. you were you were physically sometimes disgusting what he was doing, but you were always yeah. laughing at what mm. he was doing because what he was doing was absolutely like sadistic sometimes yeah. but it was also funny yeah. um there is the there is the great scene and i think it is probably there are two great scenes i'd say in this film there's the interrogation scene yeah where it's one on one with batman and the joker um and i think that's where Heath Ledger shines the most but there's also for me there's the it's like I call it the face-off scene. So Joker gets out of the truck that's just been tipped oh, over. Oh yeah. Batman's driving towards him on the bike. Yeah. And he's just walking towards him. He's like, "I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Hit yeah, me. Yeah, Come yeah. on, hit me!" And he just starts screaming, "Hit me!" Like yeah. that. And Batman can't do it because he he can't yeah. cross that line that Joker can and just like rolls out the way. Yeah. It's it's absolutely amazing. It just sums up both characters as well. Even though like they t- they're sort of talk took out of there. Um, their world and put into like a real world scenario it still yeah keeps the the the, the raw material what makes them both those characters mm. so great um and i think both actors understood that as well it's such an amazing film agreed agreed to the max one thing i will say though this might be controversial um just uh slightly stepping away from from christopher nolan but sticking on the joker i think joaquin phoenix's portrayal of the joker is better 
than Heath Ledger's. Um, <laughs> I like Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal. No, I loved. Let me right. I loved his portrayal. It was fantastic. It was really, really strong. It was really. Um, we can talk about this another time. Heath like. Ledger's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heath, Heath Ledger's performance. I don't know. I don't know. I I th- I'd think Heath Ledger's was probably. I'd probably put Heath Ledger above Joaquin's only because I think Joaquin wasn't playing the Joker throughout the whole film. He was yeah, playing yeah. Um, a different. He was playing uh, two characters really, wasn't he? And he only he played was, the yeah. Joker towards the end of the film. Um, yeah, that's that's a fair. But point, nevertheless, actually. he was he was fantastic. But you can't take anything away. Heath Ledger's performance no, of is fantastic. Not, of course not. Um, and then you look at like Jared Leto's, and it's just like, what the fuck? No, that's wrong just there? not even. Jesus, not even. Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, like, even I know he, he had, like, I know he had big boots to fill after Heaths, but I know, but he did like all the methods stuff of like sending dead animals to people. And like, oh my god, he just, just makes, went... <laughs> it just makes it all even worse. <laughs> I feel like he tried too hard to pass Heath. Yeah, and it just nah. You can appreciate nah. what he's doing, I suppose, but it was fucking awful. No one's heard from him since. Well, he was in the desert, wasn't he, for about ten days. Only for yeah. <laughs> and he didn't even know coronavirus was happening. No. That's like the most Jared Leto <laughs> news story ever. Yeah. He's in Morbius as well soon, isn't he? He is, yeah. That looks shite. Mm-hmm. Yep. We'll uh, we'll, any, we'll any, do anything else you want to say about the Dark Knight? Uh, no, I think I've just you've, you've praised let, let out all my love for that film. You certainly have, Batman. Um, big up the cast as well. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's it's fantastic. Isn't it? It's great. This next film, though, mm-hmm. I feel like you're the one best to talk about this film because uh, yeah, we can talk about it. We've we've uh, spoken about it before on the podcast, but obviously, the the film he did after the Dark Knight was Inception. Um, obviously, I picked that as my my uh, favorite film of the year for 2010. Um. What more can you say about this film than it's flat out entertainment? It's a complete mind fuck, <laughs> and it's full of insane performances. It's it's really hard with these kinds of films to to pick something bad about them, and I don't think Inception particularly has anything bad about it. I don't think it does. No, no it doesn't. It doesn't. I think it's one of them where. Um. It asks you questions, and it, what whatever you put into the film is what you take out of the film. Yeah. Um, but no, I know, I know you're a massive fan of that film, as am I. I. I think it's absolutely fantastic, and it's probably one of the boldest blockbusters I've ever seen. Definitely. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio is fantastic, as you say. The cast is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it is one of the. It's one of the. It's in that category of films that just fuck with your head. And yeah. I'm all for them. It's sort of like um, I like that kind of film where it's obviously it's completely unrealistic, but it's always so believable. Mm. Like the world, the world that gets set up for you is so believable. And I think that runs through his work. It does, especially Christopher Nolan's work. Is Inter- that Interstellar? Yeah, we'll come into yeah, yeah, we yeah. Will. but we'll, we'll go on to Interstellar. But you, you're definitely right. Is that? The ideas and stuff that he's dealing with are so like um, otherworldly. Yeah. But he, he, 
it's it's amazing how he can ground them in the real world. Exactly. Like the fact that the fact that he says, Oh, it's all in your dreams. So basically you can believe it. And that feels like it should be a cop out, but it's not. Yeah. The yeah, fact the yeah. fact that at the end of Inception, are they are they four levels deep? Well, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, goes four on. levels deep. So they go I think they are. I think by the time they Yeah, yeah, because So they're in the van. No, I think the van <laughs> So I think it's the van and then the hotel. Yeah. Then the the mountain. And then the mountain. And then And then Leonardo Leo. goes into the fourth, yeah. So the fact that like they're in a dream, within a dream, within a dream, within a dream. If someone told you that concept, you'd be like, that sounds fucking shit. That sounds stupid. But the fact is that it's not. You're fully engrossed. And you're like, I, I can believe this. It's an outrageous film. It really is. What do you think about the end? What, what's, your, what's your opinion? I was about to say this. What, what do you take from the end? Um, so, I like the idea that he's still dreaming. Isn't it... Um, don't they say that there's loads of things like um, that when he sees his kids and you find they finally turn around and you see them, aren't they like wearing um, like different clothes or something from all the flashbacks? Oh, I don't know. So apparently, like it is a dream because it's not like it's not coherent. There's with... so many theories to that ending, though. And then isn't it something like that? The the spinning top isn't his. Totem? It's not his. It's not. So if it, if it's spinning, he it can't be real. It he must be in a dream. If it's still, I take spinning. from it. I, that's what I take from it is that it's not his. It's not his one. Yeah, because it's because it's not his. Doesn't he? He, he touches it or he uses it, and that's that shouldn't really apply in the real world or something like yeah. that. Yeah, there's um, there's a bit I think in the film where it, they're talking about the spinning stuff and they're talking about stuff like that, and I think Ellen Page's character goes to spin it or something, and he says, "No, no, like you need your own one sort of thing. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't see mine sort of thing." So um, as nice as nice as it would be to believe that uh, he's all happy and that, yeah, I don't think he is. I I still think he's dreaming. Yeah, which is um, really sad. Is that what you take from it as well? Yeah, I agree. I th- I think it's I think it's a dream. Which is soul destroying, but um, that's that's another great thing about the film. No one's right, exactly. Yeah, it's all your own interpretation, and that's fantastic. It's a fantastic film, Inception. Um, yeah, Adam's just done it justice there. Let's let's move on to the next. Another two years later, uh, does he go back? He goes back, doesn't he? He does. He goes back. He goes. So this one goes back is to um, finish what he started. This is the conclusion to the Dark Knight trilogy, Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's been a hype for a film. I think for like this since probably, I think there was this and then it literally skipped loads of years and then the next film where the hype was like this was probably Avengers Infinity War oh, yeah. where everyone yeah. was just gasping to see that film. Um, it's fantastic, honestly. Uh, I know I've just said before that it's probably like, the one that I least like out of the three, but that's no means means it's a bad film. Yeah. So, for anyone that doesn't know, Christian Bale comes back as Batman. Um, he's been away a few years, hasn't he, after the events of The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And he basically has to come and face a new threat, which is Tom Hardy's Bane. Mm-hmm. I'd say Tom Hardy's Bane is not just... I wouldn't say it was... As a, as iconic as Heath Ledger's Joker, but I'd say it is pretty iconic role. It is, yeah. Um, Simi- and it's such a fantastic role as well. Similar thing with what what you said about um, 
Joaquin Phoenix taking taking the the shoes of the Joker. It's like when you've got a film like The Dark Knight, it's it's unbeatable. Obviously, the the, the Dark Knight Rises is fantastic, and Tom Hardy's fantastic, but it's never going to be better than what came before. I think he knew that as well going into it. I think mm. I, I don't mean to say that as in oh we won't top Dark Knight like yeah we won't be able to beat that that but I think he knew going into it that Dark Knight was such a good hit and that so many people loved it that the the third film wasn't going to please everyone yeah so I think he did go a lot like a lot more over the top and I think it did he did put the like the he did raise the stakes did, yeah. a lot more. Yeah. Um, obviously, like it was like nu- nuclear bomb or something, wasn't it? Um, mm. But it's such a fantastic film. I think, obviously, Christine Bale. I think out of the three, I think this is Christine Bale's best performance as Batman. Um, I think he absolutely like nails it in this film. Um, Anne Hathaway is absolutely superb as Catwoman. Um, it is literally just. Anne Hathaway and Michelle Pfeiffer, um, the best, the, the best two Catwomen. Um, Tom Hardy's been superb. The rest of the supporting act, supporting actors come back into it. So Michael Caine obviously still needs the money, so he's in there. <laughs> Morgan Freeman's about. Um, it's a fantastic film, Dark Knight Rises. I remember going to see that with all my mates, and we all come out of it buzzing. Little fingers um, in there as well, any. Oh yeah, at the start, little fingers <laughs> in there. Um, Scarecrow comes back into it. Mm. I remember sit. I remember the end bit, sitting on the edge of my seat in the cinema, like literally, like leaning yeah. forward, like absolutely hooked. Yeah. On that film and like that ending, because I was like, "What's going to happen?" Yeah. And then obviously you get like the ending as well, and I think that was the most perfect way to end the tr- the trilogy as well as that he gets out of it and, um. You know he's happy and stuff like that, and he's yeah, away. He gets his ending, doesn't um, he? He gets his ending exactly, and I, lo- I love the little Michael Caine nod. Yeah, um, yeah, that's boss. It's, it's such a nice little nod in it. Um, <laughs> he's he's nodding. It, it, <laughs> I like to, I, I like to see it as a sarcastic nod, like he's nodding, like yeah, yeah. Trilogy's over. What the fuck am I supposed to do now? As as far as film a film nods go, that is up there as the best film nods <laughs> I've ever seen. It's like that meme, isn't it, of the guy in the in the woods? That's Robert Redford, you know. I know, I remember. I use that gif all the time in the group film. chat. <laughs> Do you know what was weird? I was watching, it was like something on YouTube. It was like some sort of like awful compilation. But that film was was in it. And it, like, just by looking at like the surrounding you trees, just I just knew exactly what it was. Defo needs to do like a episode on nodding and films. Oh, yeah. And like handshakes and all stuff like that. All, all the same. Oh, best handshake. Best handshake is... Um, <laughs> I've got the best handshake is Arnie and um, Carl Weathers and Predator. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's the no best need. handshake, though. No need for the episode anymore. <laughs> no need for the episode that's here right now. Um, but yeah, Dark Knight Rises, fantastic film. I'm rounded the trilogy off in amazing fashion. Remember when you left Gotham? Before all this, before Batman... You were gone seven years. Seven years I waited, hoping that you wouldn't come back. Every year, I took a holiday. I went to Florence. There's this cafe on the banks of the Arno. Every fine evening, I'd sit there and order a Ferny Branca. I had this fantasy that I would 
look across the tables, and I'd see you there with a wife, maybe a, a couple of kids. You wouldn't say anything to me, nor me to you. But we both know that you'd made it, that you were happy. The next film he, he dropped out of nowhere was Interstellar. So if you haven't seen Interstellar, you need to stop listening immediately. Yeah. One, because one, we'll, we'll tell you some important things you need to keep um, hidden before you watch it. And two, because you should that should be top of your priority list, really. It's one of the greatest films ever made. I want to say Inception is his most audacious film. Mm. I think, but I'd be lying because I think this is just... I think I remember. I mean, you went to see this, didn't we? Yeah, we I think did. We, we we came out of it, and I think I remember. I think the credits were coming up, and I turned to you and I said, "I can't believe someone's wrote that film." Yeah, I think I think we, we were just sort like of never made. Don't like never mind making the film. Someone sat down and wrote it. Like <laughs> someone came up with that idea, that concept. Mad. And I'm I'm no uh, I'm no physicist, but apparently, a lot of the stuff in that film is pretty accurate and it goes back to um i think it goes back to what we were saying before is that he likes to keep his films grounded in the real world yeah, yeah. that's what i mean so he does his research this is this is um film basically um if you have or haven't seen it what happens is um earth is becoming inhabitable people won't be able to survive on earth so they need to find a new home so they have to explore deep space to find a new planet to live on essentially that's not realistic but somehow Christopher Nolan makes it makes it very believable, feasible, and it deals with um, time travel. Oh my and, god! Um, there's 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 all sorts that it deals with. But that scene when they go down to that planet, and because of because of how close the planet is to a black hole, the gravitational pull is stronger. Therefore, time moves a lot quicker. And just getting your head around that science yeah. is unbelievable. But Essentially, they go down onto this planet for what about? Is it about two hours? I think so. And they were only supposed to be down there for about an hour because obviously stuff goes wrong when they're down there. And when they come, when they go back to the ship that someone's been waiting on, hasn't it been like it's been like twenty years, or twenty or thirty years? And it's he's an insane, old man and it's 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 accurate. That would happen. It's insane. And he video links his kids, so his, oh, his kids no. are like his oh. daughter's like eight. Ballot when he goes yeah. down to this planet, then he comes back up and she's in her thirties or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's getting your head around it is absolutely insane and it's fucking real. And that's only like what five minutes of the film, and it's about three hours yeah. long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember actually, like you said, when we went to see it, um, I think it was like after like a lecture one day or something, wasn't it? And, and we went to see it, and I needed a wee really bad at the start, and, <laughs> and I sat down, and obviously. It, just that engrossed in the film it's the only time it's ever happened and when the film ended we we like stood up to leave and i couldn't stand up because i needed a piss that bad like i was like i was like keeling over with the the pain in my bladder but i didn't i didn't feel anything until the film ended it was unbelievable (laughs) just crawling out the onion literally i had a piss for about seven minutes (laughs) um yeah interstellar Interstellar. Um, was it one thing we haven't talked about yet? Actually, is um, we talked about his brother, one of his partners in crime. Another person who is integral, I think, in his films is Hans Zimmer. 
So I was literally about to make yeah. say that we haven't touched on his music I at know. all. So his films. For anyone who doesn't know, Hans Zimmer is a German music composer. Um he did music for the Dark Knight, he did music for the Prestige, he did Inception, and he also did Interstellar. He does he does feature films as well, like Dunkirk and stuff. But you He's know He's done um Pirates as well. He has, yeah. So obviously He's done Pirates, all sorts. Pirates of the Caribbean, probably the best movie theme ever. Um, that's your guy. He did music for Gladiator. I think he did Iron Man as well. He's done all sorts. He's done about two hundred films. Anyway, um, the music in Interstellar. Oh my god, it's yeah. It, it. I think in terms of film soundtracks, it's probably up there for me, top three. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I remember downloading Hans it straight Zimmer, away. Yeah, Hans Zimmer obviously before Interstellar had done countless film. Mm scores um but i just feel that i feel like he was saving something for for interstellar i feel like he yeah just, you feel like he's had this music in his locker for like a good 10 15 years yeah. and, he, and he's waited for the perfect opportunity to to, it is to drop it one of the most beautiful it's so beautiful that soundtrack honestly mm. um amazing piece of work hans zimmer but all throughout his work um, Christopher Nolan's work, Hans has been there, so as yeah. Adam said, the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, one of the, I think one of the most iconic themes is one of that Batman theme, mm. um, especially when he's in the um, the Batmobile. There's the Inception theme, yeah. which is often used on I'm a Celebrity. I feel I feel like right. So when I'm a Celebrity comes back around this year, yeah. If everyone watches that first episode, it's basically Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer. <laughs> like it's every dramatic film music you can imagine. And there might be a, like a bit of John Williams and a bit of Danny Elfman. But for the <laughs> most part, it's it's just all Hans Zimmer. It's like a Hans, it's like, I think one of the editors in I'm a Celeb just absolutely loves Hans Zimmer. <laughs> just devotes the first episode to him. But moving on, um, no, Interstellar is unreal. Honestly, it is. Math- Matthew McConaughey. Mahon- oh, do you know what? I I really don't like him. All right, all right, all right. I really don't like him, but that film, it can't, it can't. I like him. It can't be affected it's, it's... by him. But yeah, Inter- <laughs> <laughs> Interstellar is uh, actually in my top five of all time. Amazing film, honestly, it is. And then he went quiet again. He did. And then three years sort of, later, sort of dropped that, and then three years later, Ooh, something very, did, di- something very different by his standards, I suppose, isn't it? Something very different, but I think also something that he would have felt he had to sort of do as a British director. So yeah, definitely. I think when we talked about Sam Mendes on the first episode, we said that British directors have got this habit to have at least one film in a fil- filmography based on the war, based on one of the wars. Um, yeah. So obviously Sam Mendes is 1917. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Christopher Nolan with Dunkirk. Um, again, me and you went to see this film. We did. Um, it was, what year was that? 2017? 2017, yeah. It was such a great year for film. I think me and you were just lived in a cinema that year. Yeah, we did. Um, but, Dunkirk, absolutely fantastic film. And it sort of goes back to his first film, Memento. 
Yeah. In like a little a little narrative sort of way. Very yeah, very chopped up narrative. It follows three three different stories. Yeah. Yeah. I think three or four. Yeah. So it follows follows a few different stories and then obviously they all come together for the, the third act. Yeah. Don't they? And it, uh yeah. so he brings back some some faces he's used before. So this is Tom Hardy's third appearance with Christopher Nolan uh, after um, yes. Inception yes. and Dark Knight Rises. And it's actually a really fucking good performance from Tom Hardy because the majority of the film he has that sort of like mask over his face because he's a he's a pilot it's the same as Bane isn't it exactly it's... so literally 80-90% of his acting is with his eyes it's unreal it's insane but what a cast as well Mark Mark Rylance is in there mm-hmm. um, Tilly Murphy's in there mm-hmm. um, did you know actually I know we've made a joke about him before <laughs> Michael Caine is in the film no Michael Caine is actually in the film. Was he like a narrator or something? So Michael Caine is, there's a bit where Tom Hardy is in the plane and yeah. he gets his instructions from whoever's on the oh, right. on the thing down below and that's Michael Caine. He's got to get in there somewhere, doesn't he? Michael Caine does a little soundbite in Dunkirk. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, because like... obviously he was too old to serve, so <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't, he, he had to figure him in somehow. He had to get his paycheck to him. Um He's like, he's like Michael Caine is what Samuel Jackson is to uh, Quentin Tarantino, isn't he? Yeah. It's like a little side piece. <laughs> it's like it's like oh. if, if 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 Christopher Nolan's riding like a big a big chopper like motorbike, and Michael Caine's in a little side car <laughs> next to him. <laughs> I don't even think I say all this. I don't even think Michael Caine's a good actor. I think he just does the same thing in every film. He's just he's just. Um, a, Polite old fella who it's has a nasty a pol- side. He is. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, every old fella in the I UK ever. His biggest range has been the Muppets Christmas Carol with, <laughs> with Scrooge. <laughs> That's the most oh, he's like overstepped. Uh, um, th- there's something I want to talk about in Dunkirk actually, which I got onto when I was watching it and it made me feel really uncomfortable. I don't know what it was, so I, I did some uh, did some diving. So one. there's an audio technique in the film called the Shepherd Tone. So what this is is if you when you watch the film you'll notice there's a constant constant music throughout the majority of the film and a lot of it is like a ticking sound like oh, a yeah. like a countdown. So this this um technique obviously Hans Zimmer he did it. We didn't invent it obviously but he uses it. So what they do is they stack certain sound waves that are an octave apart. So if you if you don't know much about music so there's eight notes in a musical scale. Uh, yeah. It goes from A to G. And then it goes back to A, but it's an octave higher. So it's like, you know, the same notes, but higher pitch. So these these stack these notes on top of each other that are an octave apart. And then it creates an illusion, like a loop that the music is eventually like getting to a crescendo or going down to a crescendo, but it never actually does. So this music goes on forever in this sort of loop, but you're, wow. you're convinced that something is going to happen. So... This music literally sits all the way through the film and it's used like a ticking clock. So that's how it wow. works. Like up, down, up, down, all the way through. So you're basically shitting yourself the entire film. Yeah, yeah. Even though sometimes stuff isn't even happening. It's so... You are on the edge of your seat throughout yeah, the whole film. so insanely clever, that technique. Um, It's such a fantastic film. As I said before, it goes back sort of to um, Memento and that narrative mm. um, rejiggling of... Yeah, the narrative sort of thing. You're not too sure what what's happening when sort of thing. But I didn't know that. That's amazing. No, it's so interesting. 
so interesting. It goes it goes back though, doesn't it? So that handsome F Yeah. I think feel feels like he has to give his best to these sorts of films. Yeah, yeah. I feel like when you've got them like this collaboration in film of a director like that and a music composer like that, you sort of expect one thing, but then they just like throw something completely new into the mix. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Um what's your best Christopher Nolan film? Um before easy, it's easy one for you, well, I think. Well, I know I picked Inception um, as my film for for that year, but my favourite mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan film is Interstellar. Interstellar. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming your yeah yours is Dark Knight. Yeah, um, I do want to give a shout. That's out. not saying Interstellar's bad. Interstellar's no, yeah, amazing. but all his films are insane. Uh, well, the ones I've seen at least, I need to watch uh, Insomnia and The Prestige. I've had the Prestige on DVD for about seven years, and I still haven't watched it, but I will get it watched, lad. I'll watch it tonight, mate. Um, one film I want to give a shout out to. I don't know if you've seen it. It's one of his short films called Doodlebug. Have you seen it? I haven't. So it's like you're you're following this guy, and he's like miniature, but you don't know that until later on. And he's like a bug, and someone's trying to squash him, who's full size. And it's like it's only about about ten twenty minutes long, and it's basically like this guy trying to crush a mini guy. But then, at the end of it, he gets crushed by an even bigger guy. <laughs> Smart. It's cool. It's really cool. Absolutely it's interesting. bonkers. It's like black and white. All Is it? Weird and, yeah. A little short film. I'll Very give good. that a watch. It's on YouTube, I think. So, yeah, that wraps up our episode one of our director series, Christopher yep. Nolan. Obviously, yeah. Um, We've got, got one coming out uh, this year, hopefully. But um, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, before we move on, he's got a film hopefully coming out this year mm-hmm. obviously due to the coronavirus films are being pushed back yeah but hopefully as planned we should be able to have another christopher nolan film this year and that yeah. is called tenet 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 um it looks fantastic yeah we talked it looks about weird it looks um we talked about it i think on La- the last episode, episode yeah but yeah, it, yeah it's exactly what you expect um yeah, Robert Patterson's in it before he becomes Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy from Black Klansman's in it. Yeah. And Michael Caine's back in it, obviously. Obviously. Um, needs that paycheck. But, <laughs> yeah, it looks fantastic. Another one to look forward to, and it looks like it's going to be another hit. Definitely. So that was Christopher Nolan. The enemy tanks have stopped. Why? Why waste precious tanks when they can pick us off from the air like fish in a barrel? There are 400,000 men on this beach. Okay, so on this next segment, we are going to go back to reviewing films of the past decade. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the last two, we've done 2010, and we've done, we just about did 2011. Um <laughs> What a fucking shit year that was. <laughs> um, you had Iron Man 2 on one of yours as well. Oh, oh yeah, shut up, will you? I think it was 2010. It was 2010, yeah. But uh, now we come to 2012. And my memory of this year is that it was very good. And I looked, and it is very good. What a year for film this was. Um Blockbusters in particular, I think, just absolutely nailed it this year. But there was a, f- a few bad ones that we will give some mentions to, and obviously a couple of 
honourable mentions. So yeah, we're going to start now with um, Adam's going to give us his first one. So we're going to if you don't if you're not familiar, we're just going to do our top five for each year, mm-hmm. um, and Adam gets the first pick. Okay, so the first one in my this is no particular order of the top five, but obviously uh, it's not going to be number one. But one of the films I have in my top five is The Cabin in the Woods. So if you haven't seen this, this is a... Is this not in your top five? It's in my top five. It's just not number one. it is in your top five. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. If you haven't seen this, it's a very interesting take on a horror film. So you sort of get pushed into this world. Obviously, the title explains it. It's a bunch of teenagers going to a cabin in the woods, which is the biggest stereotype for a horror film going. So (laughs) um, you get all these sorts of genre expectations you know you have the stereotypical characters um all the normal stuff starts to happen but then you realize the whole thing's being controlled by some sort of elite uh organization which mm. uh puts people in horror film situations for a uh, rich people's entertainment so it's really interesting and it you know it relaxes the whole thing a bit you're not tutting at the film going down the normal road it's it's really cool so it was written um by Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon. So you'll know Joss Whedon, you know, involved with the Avengers he's got films. Uh, and Drew Goddard, he's produced stuff like the Cloverfield films, uh, Lost. So proper, you know... Uh, Two good screenwriters. Yeah, yeah. Thought-provoking films. It's not y- your standard basic film. There's there's a lot behind it. But um, no, it's it's really good. Chris Hemsworth's in it, which is quite interesting. Maybe that's... <laughs> maybe that's uh, I don't know what year Thor came out, but maybe, you know, that was his route in. I think it came out before it. Okay, maybe not then. Oh, it did, didn't it? It was like two years before. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not then. Um. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you on that one. I think it's not in my top five, but um, certainly one of those films that makes your mind um, think a bit. Um, obviously, it, it, it plays on horror conventions and it plays with the conventions of horror. Um and it sort of, it doesn't take it doesn't take the piss out of the audience. It sort of knows that you you yeah, know yeah. what the conventions of horror are. Yeah. So it it works with that in a way, which exactly. I always like. I always like in a film. I think um, if you look back, I think Scream did the same thing. The first Scream, especially. Yeah, yeah. The ve- it's um, a very similar um, take on horror to Scream. Yeah, which uh, yeah. which was Wes Craven. So you you're put into a false sense of security that you think you know what's going on. Which you do to a certain extent, but then they'll flip it back around again, and they'll they'll give you a big a big twist at the end. It's Absolutely, great. it was a great film. Great and film. it's it's great really fu- it's really funny as well. Always on film four. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed. Easy, easy, easy to find if you want to watch it. Great film. Yeah. One of them. It's like Hot Fuzz on ITV two, but <laughs> not as much. Yeah. Um, give us one of yours. So yeah, so I'll do mine in order. I think. Oh no, wait, you're not doing yours in order, are you? I'm just I'm just picking and choosing. I'm just picking and choosing then. So I'll go with yeah, I'll go with this one. So this one is a comedy. Yeah. Um and what a comedy it is. So it is um a buddy cop comedy film. Mm-hmm. Um sort of plays on the conventions of action as well. I think it does it, play in the conventions. It does, yeah. Of, it definitely does. Um so sort of similar to Cabin in the Woods um, stars Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum is of course 21 Jump Street yes what a film this is it's just so funny um, 
challenge that is, is hilarious. I don't <laughs> think he'd done. I don't think he did a comedy film before this film, and he, he's just amazing. Isn't it? He's he's so funny. Um, Obviously, the the iconic line. The iconic line. Which one? My name's Jeff. <laughs> That's the second one. Oh, is it? Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, no. Oh, well. This this is the one. This is where the one where they have a trip, like they trip out, and he's like, um, <laughs> "Don't blow on me, son." Oh shit! Yeah. Oh so yeah. Put your tongue back in your mouth. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what a film! Um, Jonah obviously is hilarious. Um, not so slim, shady. Yeah, yeah. Sean and Tatum's in it. Um, Johnny Depp's in it, obviously, because he used to be in a TV show back in the 90s or the 80s, whichever one it was. Yeah. Um, but Johnny Depp's in it as a little cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, Brie Larson is in it before she's Captain Marvel. Um, I forgot about she's that, actually. In it. But what a film. It's so funny. Um, I think it's on Netflix. It might be on Netflix. I think it is, yeah. I think they both oh. are, actually. So, yeah. So, there you go, people. Two absolute belting comedies for you there. Um, I wish they make a third. I I I heard they were gonna do a Men in Black one, like a Men in Black Twenty One Jump Street crossover. Oh really? Um, that was original. So before they did this Men in Black reboot from uh, right. last year, yeah. The original plan was that they were gonna do a Twenty One Jump Street and Men in Black crossover where them two uh, go and sort of work for Men in Black. Um, and it would so be like that sort of comedy. I'm kind of glad I, they didn't. Yeah. So the two directors of this film, um, Phil Lord and. Chris Miller obviously directed the Lego movie um, and they did the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. They did one and two in them. Um, I believe they were originally, they were going to do the Han Solo film. Oh, uh, really? The Han Solo standalone film. And they they went, actually went into filming that and then Disney pulled it because they didn't like them or something. And then Ron Howard would come and finish the job. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, such a fantastic film. Twenty One Jump Street, well worth a watch. Yeah, it's very good. Back to I've you. A, yeah, I had Twenty One Jump Street down as an honourable mention, actually. Oh, did you? I did. Yeah. Um, I'll just blast through, um, some films. Come back to them, if you need to. But these are films that I've got written down that didn't make my top five or my honourable mentions list, and they are, um, The Hobbit, the first Hobbit film. Yeah, the, the first Avengers film and The Dark Knight Rises. So, because <laughs> you're probably not happy with them last two, that they're not in my top five. But that's just that's just um, mainly on the fact that they're um, not the. I don't find them the best in their respective um, okay, like trilogies or uh, series of films. So I can't so, just I can't justify picking them over other films if I don't think they're the best in their own in their own right. I'll say The Dark Knight Rises is in my top five. Okay. Um, so yeah, Dark Knight Rises is in my top five. I won't go into The Dark Knight Rises because obviously we just done the Christopher Nolan yeah. thing and yeah. I don't want to like repeat myself, but it is a fantastic film. Um, there is... I'll, I'll just go into it. Avengers <laughs> Assemble is in my top five also. Um, I think it's a fantastic film still. It, I watched it the other day. Um, it's I've never it so when I was a kid you watch like Spider-Man and X-Men and stuff like that and they always cross over you know in like yeah. the cartoon and stuff yeah 
And I always in my head thought, oh, that would be amazing in a film and stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah. and they'll never do it and stuff like that. And then they did it. And Avengers Assemble was that. And then obviously from Avengers Assemble, it's just absolutely skyrocketed. Mm. Um, so if we didn't have Avengers Assemble, um, we wouldn't have Endgame. We wouldn't have Infinity War. Very true. Um, Civil War. It sort of it was the launch pad for everything that came after it. Um, and it's also, I think it's got the best... I think it's top three easily for the best one-liners in the Marvel films. Oh, I think I I think Iron Man has like the best one-liners. Um, the bit the bit where like Loki goes to like try and turn him, oh, and yeah. he just taps on his thing and he goes, <laughs> "Performance issues on, <laughs> on uncommon." <laughs> um, <laughs> there's the bit with Hulk where he like smashes Loki. Oh, of course, um, yeah. Back and forth. Um, there's the bit where. Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk and says, "That's that's my secret. I'm always angry." Yeah, and then absolutely fucking <laughs> slams that big space whale. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna start using so that as good... an, I'm gonna start using that as an insult. <laughs> you fucking space whale. <laughs> um, but yeah. no, it's fantastic. Um, Iron Man gets all the best one-liners. Yeah, it's got an amazing action. I think. And I still get goosebumps watching that bit where it tracks it tracks around them and the Avengers theme yeah, comes on. The classic and it's shot. It's just like absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously we spoke about the Dark Knight Rises. Um it, it just doesn't make top five for me. Obviously, we've said how good of a film it is. In terms of Avengers, massive MCU fan. But I just don't rate that film highly enough within the MCU to be able to put it in my top five of this year. If that makes sense. We and need if, to do an MCU. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Like I think soon. Like we need to do best yeah, yeah. the worst. Oh yeah, uh, let's worst do it. the best even. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. We need to we need to rank the MCU films. Definitely. Um, because Avengers Assemble is probably still in my top five. It's amazing. Um, I'll throw it back to you then. Um, the next one. I'm gonna put in another honorable mention. I won't talk too much about it, but um. We mentioned Tom Hooper in the last episode. Tom Highbrow Hooper. Um, he did. He did Les Mis. He did Les Mis in um, 2012. He did cats. <laughs> to talk about cats. He did Les Mis. Is a better musical. Um, this is. Um, I don't think it's a secret to many people, but it is also a guilty pleasure. I love musicals. I think they're great. Um, and Les Mis, <laughs> but the the story alone of Les Mis is insane it's a fantastic story i've never seen it oh mate watch it just just watch it i know it's a musical but watch it does russell crowe sing in it he does yeah he's shy so uh, yeah i'm not watching <laughs> mate watch it um the, the so there's the very brief I'm not having uh, maximus sing to me <laughs> he also fights as well so it's all good mm, okay i'll watch it, it he has a big a big standoff with hugh jackman huge but they also sing during the entire thing. Um, <laughs> so I think obviously they made Lamez in like 1993 or something with Liam Neeson, and it just wasn't it wasn't very good. But the story has it stood the test of time. It was written. I don't actually know when it was written, but obviously it's set in uh, the French Revolution in the yeah. 1800s. Um, fantastic story. Um, there's so many levels to the story as well. It's not just one story arc. There's so many subplots that, and none of them sort of escape the film. They're all really uh interesting and you get invested in all of them and they did i think it was the first film to do it 
as a as a musical anyway. It was all live singing, so it oh, wasn't really? it, it wasn't pre recorded. So all the actors wore earpieces where they had a live pianist playing into their ear. So if they change pace or tempo, uh, well, obviously that's the same thing. If they change pace or or pitch, they'd have a live musician to change with them. So oh, all wow. all the singing in the film is live. So if they wanted to perform the scene with a different sort of energy or particular emotion, then they could. Um, and obviously when Anne Hathaway sings I Dreamed a Dream, she's like crying throughout the whole thing. That's all, it's all live. And I think that's groundbreaking for a film to be able to do that. And, yeah. as, you know, the people in it, like I've said, Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe, Anne Hathaway, Eddie Redmayne. Um, there's so many people like Amanda Seyfried. I just, I don't know how you say her name. Um, she's in it. <laughs> But some some of them can really sing as well. Obviously, that's not the main thing because it, ultimately it's, it's it's a film, but it's fantastic. So, but that's that's in there as an honourable mention. But it it probably gets number five on the list. Okay, fair enough. I've never seen it myself. Um, obviously, if he didn't make lemurs, we wouldn't have had cats. So <laughs> it's, it must be so, similar to Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> We need to watch cats. I feel like we just need to. Just yeah, let's do. It. Let's let's get really drunk and do it. Like let's. let's yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's record as we watch. Let's live stream us yeah, getting yeah. drunk watching cats. <laughs> um, yeah, we should do that when, when we can. Anyway. Yeah, that was that will get us getting views. Um, I just want to just jump back in. I mentioned the Hobbit before. Um, I, only, I I've only actually seen the first Hobbit. I haven't seen the other two yet. I just couldn't really be bothered. I wasn't willing to get invested. I do want to watch them. I did enjoy The Hobbits. I love Lord of the Rings. But um, I put it down because he did it. He did like um, that increased frame rate, didn't he? He shot the film at 48 frames a second. Yeah. So industry standard is 24. So he doubled the frame rate to make it look like more realistic. But I'm not entirely convinced it worked. What do you think? I don't think it did. Um, it was too weird, wasn't it? I will... I will defend Peter Jackson's Hobbit series. Yeah. Till till I die, basically. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. That's not why I defend it. It's not good. It's because. So Peter Jackson originally wasn't going to direct the Hobbit films. Originally, it was going to be Guillermo del Toro. Right. Um, and he literally wrote the scripts. Um, and if you know Guillermo del Toro's work, he works a lot with um like real um he does in not he does work with cgi but he doesn't he tries not to so it's a lot of like yeah. real um characters and like like pan's um, labyrinth and shape yeah, of water and yeah, stuff yeah. yeah so it's like everyone in costume sort of thing mm. and he had he'd done about two years worth of prep for like costume for like the orcs and for everything like that Whoa. um obviously guillermo del toro then dropped out of it um, and I do believe Peter Jackson tried, obviously he was the producer, tried to find um, a suitable replacement. Um, he couldn't. And then as studios do, because they've already committed money to it, mm. started demanding stuff from Peter Jackson, i.e. Yeah. we're not moving our release dates, you still need to f- make this film. And then sort of, I think, pressured Peter Jackson into making this film. Yeah. Or these films. Um and to the point I read once to the point where he would call for lunch on set and it's typical to have like an hour lunch on set. Yeah. And he'd sit on set um 
in like these big massive green screen sets and he'd just sit there and write the script and storyboard what he's about to do and he'd sit there for three hours and think about oh, yeah. what he's about to film so he, he <laughs> didn't have any storyboard or anything like that going into it he'd just plan it all in his head that's ridiculous before each thing it's absolutely ridiculous um so to come out of the other side obviously he didn't do all the orcs and stuff for all cgi which we were a bit I was a bit peeved off with because I think they did such a great job in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy with like the real makeup and the yeah, real costumes. Really and stuff good like job. That. Um, but I think with all things to consider, I just don't think he had the time to to get everything designed the way yeah. he wanted it. And I think um, in the end, what we got was probably not what he would have wanted to do, but yeah, what the studio sort of pressured him to do. I do think that for the, I think. He hasn't really done any films since, which is a shame. Um, because I do rate Peter Jackson as one of the great yeah. directors. Um, he's, he's probably fucking knackered from doing them three, film, three yeah, films yeah. back to back. The Lord of the Rings films are amazing. And um, I think his King Kong film is an absolute masterpiece. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's me just going on a tangent about that yeah. bit. Well, it, well, it gives another one of you to Definitely watch them. Definitely watch them. Um, oh, I, I will, yeah. Another one of my top five is... I've only got two left. I'll do some honourable mentions. Go on. So I've got here um, The Hunger Games. Mm. Um, so the first one, The Hunger Games. I did actually enjoy the first one, The Hunger Games. Um, apart from one little bit, which made me really, really like laugh out loud in the cinema. <laughs> um, me and my mate just found it absolutely hilarious and we almost got thrown out. <laughs> it wasn't even funny. Um, so I've got Hunger Games. Um, I've got Looper. So Looper, oh. if you haven't seen it, is... Um, you don't like Looper? No. I like Sorry. Looper. I thought it was all right. Um, it's um, Bruce Willis. Ryan Johnson directs it. Yeah. We, we will be talking about Ryan Johnson <laughs> in a lot of detail on one episode. I absolutely hate him. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it stars Bruce L- Willis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, Robin. Um, <laughs> and basically, he plays young Bruce Willis and he's trying to kill himself. Hmm. He's trying to kill, kill the old version of himself. Um, yeah, it's a good film. I found it all right. The other one I want to give an honorable little mention to is Dread. Oh, so, yeah. This is um, the remake or reboot, I'd say reboot, of the Judge Dredd comics. Um, obviously, the first one was made in the 90s and starred um, Sly Stallone as Judge Dredd. It was god-awful, but it was a good <coughs> classic nonetheless. Um, I'd say watch it. I, I, found, the, I found it all right. But um, the went for a more realistic, more... Um, faithful to the comics adaptation for this one um so yeah. it was written by alex garland who did ex um, machina on annihilation mm-hmm. um uh, carl urban plays uh judge dread it's a brilliant film honestly it's really really entertaining so it's basically a gore fest he yeah. infiltrates like a tower block and just get, and just starts taking all the criminals um, level by level, it's doesn't he just start like bloodbath? 
doesn't he just start like launching people out windows and off the top of oh, the building yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just just dread, really. It's he's yeah. fantastic. Carl Carl Urban is so good in that role as well. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it actually. Uh, highly recommend that film. Um, but no, going back to my top five, I've only got two left, so I will go with this one. Um, so this is another blockbuster, mm-hmm. um, massive franchise. Mm. Comes out once in a blue moon. Yep, I know what you're gonna say. Uh, Skyfall. Yep, that's in my top five also. Um, we've talked about Skyfall in the past, Sam Mendes. It's a fantastic film. Mm. Um, it is, for me, the best Bond film. I think it is. It's very good. It's very good. It is. It is. We'll, so we'll, it we'll, we won't go into loads of detail because I think we should do a Bond, a Bond uh, oh, episode sometimes. I've, re- I've recently dug out my uh, my box set. I'm going to rewatch them all during this lockdown. Oh, lovely. So, yeah. We'll, very nice. We, we will do a Bond um Episodes, um, but Skyfall, anyone, Sky, Skyfall, yeah, amazing. Um, strips bomb back, mm-hmm. and it's just a fantastic film. It's just utterly brilliant. Great villain. Um, yeah, I was, Javier Bardem. I was just going to say, I think Javier Javier Bardem sort of pushes Skyfall over the line as as the best Daniel Craig Bond film. It it just surpasses Casino Royale because of Javier Bardem. I think. Yeah, hundred like, percent. It's it's already yeah. an insane film, but. His his performance really elevates it. That that uh, that extra notch. Javier Bardem, unreal in it. Daniel mm. Craig's best performance is Bond. Um, it's a fantastic film. Um, we spoke about it before. We'll speak about it when we do a Bond one. But yeah, um, Skyfall, unreal. So uh, another film in my top five is The Woman in Black. So this was a horror film adapted from the stage. So. I guess another adaptation from um, stage to screen like Les Mis was. So the director is James Watkins, not particularly uh, well-known or famous, but he's a writer and director. He's done some of the horrors like Eden Lake and Bastille Day. Not really massive films, but um, obviously stars Daniel Radcliffe. Um, It's The Woman in Black. This film's a 12 when it came out. It still is now, but it's actually pretty jumpy and pretty scary. I don't really understand how they got away with it, but... It's absolutely terrifying. (laughs) I mean, obviously, a stage um, adaptation. I think it sort of surpasses the expectations it's been given with its uh, with its age rating, and I think it's just a brilliantly scary film. It does the job. You know, when you go see a horror film, you want to be scared. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what it does, and it's great. It's a it's a it's a pretty uh, a pretty good story. I think it's it was adapted from stage, but it was a book. Yeah, originally, um, I'm not sure, but. Yeah, it's a fantastic no, film. Makes the top five. 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. Um, I forgot I'd come out with that, yeah. But yeah. it's a fantastic film. Um, I went with my mum and me nan to see that film. <laughs> 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 and she literally attacked the screen. She just kept jumping up. It was absolutely brilliant. It was so scary as well. Um, I hate horror films like that as well. Ghost ghost films. Like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but no, brilliant film. Yeah, before I, I that. before I give my number one, I just want to say that we've got like a little uh, rest in peace section at the bottom of the page here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Prome- Prometheus came out in 2012. Ugh. What a load of shit God. that was. God. The, we don't need to go in. Everyone knows that film was fucking so, awful. Like, have you seen Alien Covenant? No. Watch it. Is it good? It is good. And that's, that's the one that come out, that come out uh, a couple of years ago, didn't it? A couple of years ago. It's all yeah. right. D- does, it, does it sort of... Um, 
put a plaster on the wounds that Prometheus no. created. No. no, not at all. Yeah, but Prometheus is fucking right. dog shite. Remember when we were in uni and there was a vote one week to watch Prometheus or something else? I can't remember what the other film was, but obviously, gathering by that that point, you can you can now understand that Prometheus won the vote and we had to fucking... I, th- I think me and you swerved it off, didn't we? And we just went to the pub instead. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we were almost forced to watch you again. Which we don't indulge to any listeners currently in uni. Not Stay in your lectures, kids. Obviously, yeah, just, you can't just, now. Just do what we did and go to the pub in between lectures. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a record, like, six pints in one lunch hour. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, and then also, alongside Prometheus, was Piranha 3 D. Haven't seen it. But the title's disgusting. Absolute cult classic. No, no. Just Absolute for... classic. It's like it's like Sharknado, but not good. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I won't I won't lie. No. I don't want I don't really want to see it to be honest. Yeah. Swiftly move on. So my, I'm gonna give you my number one spot. I've got another one. I've got another oh, go one. Go. Yeah, yeah, go uh, go John Carter John Carter. Oh yeah. Oh. John Carter of Mars. The biggest box office flop probably. The ever. biggest spec box office flop ever. What's... And I went to pictures to see it. Well, you helped. You helped. I helped. Yeah. I did my bit. I, I'm not but, sure. Um, I'm not sure what the budget was, but it was something ridiculous. Like it's utter bonkers, wasn't it? Like about 150 mil or maybe 200 mil to yeah. make, and it made about 20 million at the box office. Right, we'll move on. <laughs> um, so my number one spot, um, Django, Django Unchained. Django's in my top five as well. I think I mentioned. I can't remember. I can't remember when, but I was, we were talking about Inglorious Bastards, and I think I said. Uh, Inglorious Bastards and Django sort of interchanges my favourite Tarantino Definitely. film so yeah Django's up there Robert Richardson uh, director of photography he's sort of been by Tarantino's side for a while now um, on my notes I've just got a little arrow pointing away from Django it just says Belter I mean there's <laughs> there's there's not really there's, you, it is you, a Belter you're going to like run out of words to describe this film but from start to finish, I think it's a masterpiece. Like you, you, yeah. men- you mentioned when we spoke about Inglorious Bastards, that Tarantino's films are very much um, like an ode to cinema. So mm. he explores different areas, and so like Kill Bill, you know, you've got your sort of um, Asian sort of cinema and Korean, yeah, 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 and he and he he loves it, and he does a great justice by making his own version. But like you said, with um, Inglorious Bastards and Django. He just goes to town on cinema. He doesn't try and owe it to anything. He just does it, yeah. and he does it well. It's funny. It's gory. It's the only the only um, negative about it is that he's in it, um, <laughs> with some awful Australian accents. God I knows like why. Him in it though. I why, like why, him in it though. Like it's set in. A, in... Do you know who's do you know the guy he's with in that Aussie is the guy from um, Wolf Creek. Have you ever seen that? Oh no, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's horrible! But the 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 guy who's he's playing with is the like serial killer thing. And oh yeah, so that's a nice a nice little oh, nod. But creep, um, creepy mates, little creepy. Yeah, look at him. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, he is a creep. Like th- that's like the only thing wrong with that film is that he's in it and he decided to try and have an Australian accent. I'm so glad he doesn't put himself in his films anymore. Yeah, because he's ah oh, nah, he just shouldn't be doing it anyway. He's he's perfectly entitled to do it. He's a genius, but um. Yeah, Django Unchained. Uh, Christoph Waltz comes back. Fantastic character. Really funny. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio was first collaboration with Tarantino. Uh, Samuel Jackson's back, obviously. Means um, that paycheck. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic film. Absolutely love it. I've never met anyone who doesn't like it, apart from yeah. all these touchy critics who can't handle the language in the film. But No, it's, it's I a mean, classic. It's an yeah. amazing film. Um, 
It is, and it's I just, it's some great one liners in it as well. Yeah, um, yeah. The D is like silent. Where, yeah, yeah. The D is silent. Um, the bit where he's in the in the house and he's shooting everyone, and he says, oh. um, "Say say goodbye to um, whatever her name." Like Miss, says, Mrs. Williams. <laughs> yes. Yeah, say goodbye to Miss Williams. Goodbye, Miss Williams. Bang. Goes <laughs> flying out the door. Goes flying. <laughs> um, there's the bit where. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio gets all the best lines, obviously. Oh, yeah. You have my curiosity, now you have my attention. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, Great meme as well. There's some absolutely belting one-liners in there, yeah. and it's an absolutely belting film, like you say. I love Skyfall, um, but I think Django... What's your number one, Django? Jan- Django surpasses Skyfall in, in my uh, in my books, number one by a mile. Can I happily say that? Ooh. Go on, but give us yours. What What is it? This might be quite tough for you, actually. It's a toss-up between Avengers... Skyfall and Django, and I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Django. Nice. With you. I was I was hoping you were gonna say that. I'm gonna agree with you. I think it's, it's absolutely cracking film. It is a cracking film. Um, yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. Nice. And Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox is unreal. Yeah, Jamie so, Fox. It was so originally glad. for Will Smith, wasn't it? Yeah, and I'm so so glad Will Smith is not in that film. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. I don't like Will Smith. Far worse. Far worse. You don't like Will Smith? I like him as a person. I don't like him as an actor. Fair I like enough. I like Fresh Prince. I just don't like Will Smith in films. But then again, I like um, I Am Independence Legend. Independence Day. I like Men in Black. I Am yeah. Legend. Maybe I Robot. Maybe retract this uh, statement. It's just because I watched the remake of Aladdin and I fucking hate him. <laughs> I was, haven't seen it yet. You just can't. You can't redo the genie. Anyway, yeah, I'm gonna 2012 <laughs> film. <laughs> gonna cut that bit out before as well. we absolutely kick off at Will Smith. <laughs> uh, I do apologise, Will. Adam's yeah. in lockdown. Yeah, um, I was, yeah. I was just kind of hoping you'd, you'd you'd pick Django as well because I want I wanted no. to end the episode with a little Django soundbite, and now I can. I agree. Django and yeah. Jade, best film of 2012. Hundred percent. Gentlemen. You have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Hey! Don't lay your palms flat on that tabletop! If you lift those palms off that turtle shell tabletop, Mr. Pooch is going to let loose with both barrels that start off. There have been a lot of lies set around this dinner table here tonight, but that you can believe.